0: The programme which follows is brought to you by
1: Resonance 104.4 FM.
0: Good afternoon and welcome to Isotopica here on Resonance 104.4 FM. On your London dial, my name is Simon Tishko and on today's Sonic Dieter, I'm really happy to introduce you to a series of conversations, this is part one of many I hope to come, with Godfather of Performance Art stuart brisley um stuart's work spans over 60 years of continual practice stuart's work is very firmly rooted in a strong political and questioning belief there's so many ex (laughs) expletives superlatives i could throw at stuart i'm a great admirer of his practice but i think it's best if i leave the words to do the work that i can only touch at. so Without too much of an ado, I suggest you find yourself a comfortable spot, pin back your ears, and welcome to this brief introduction to the world of Stuart Brisley. I do apologise for the creaky table, but I'm sure you'll agree it does not detract from the words you're about to hear.
1: It's no, no usual. It's absolutely no usual. There's okay. no usual. No Well, all right, then let's just start. Yeah, yeah, it's probably. actually. We'll yeah. we'll leave at that that. Um, Right. <laughs> it's
0: fun. I, was, I had uh, a friend um, into my studio. We were talking about various things, and one of the things I was telling her was about Ghost Dance, the film. Oh, really? And Ghost Dance was where I first came across your practice way back when, when it was first released, and it was shown on Channel 4. And I remember seeing it late at night on Channel 4, which was a quite often a window into a fabulous world. I can't imagine that there's TV like that now. And I wasn't practising as an artist then. I was kind of lost in my rock and roll drug years or whatever. And I remember watching Ghost Dance through one eye because I was quite drunk <laughs> at that point, usually. But seeing it again going, my, there's a world out there that's really interesting. And it was through... I screened that at an anarchist, really, free school project about two years ago, three years ago now, to a group of really quite young political activists, students and interested people. Uh, It was incredibly well received, really interested dynamics sparked off a flow, and that was around the time, I guess, when I um, started thinking about your work again and came Mm. back in contact. So it's really nicely...
1: Mm. Flown around mm. with all sorts of touch do you, points. Do you know Ken McMullen, the guy who it? I don't. Directed
0: I'd it? love to know Ken McMullen. He must yeah,
1: be. Yeah. Well, he's around. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I haven't seen him for a long time. Mm. But, um, yeah. We're not r- really in contact these days. Mm. But um, yeah, no, that was. Uh, and it, th- there was another film that he made, an earlier film, which was, um, which was a really interesting one. I've forgotten its title, but. Um, how to describe it uh, it was the film had a had a kind of script it didn't have a it didn 't have a predetermined script mm. it, but it had a it had a, a set of ideas if you like and the uh, Ken actually um, contacted various people um, who um, who he thought would uh, be able to Amplify the the idea, and the and he took, he took uh the, the French Resistance during the Second World War as a theme. Mm-hmm. And for example, my my role in this was um, um, because I'd been in the Hornsey sit-in, and I had a sense of uh, what it was like to be in a, you know, in a a living kind of. Um, protest yeah. over the few weeks that uh, the, 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 that it went on in 1968. I based my character on that and um, so I, I became a particular figure in relation to the other figures and they all had different personas that they developed themselves and the, the film actually brought these different personas together through the the fact that we were all in the resistance,
0: mm-hmm. beautiful,
1: and uh, so there it was almost like a lot of s- a series of psychodramas, and um, if I I'll, I'll find out the the title and. Um but it was a very interesting. It was a, it was an early film by Ken. It was mm-hmm. before Ghost Dance. In mm-hmm. fact, it might have been the one before Ghost Dance. And I remember a man called Arnold Lincoln, who was a psychotherapist, I think, at University College London, who was also a, an advisor on the film and and so forth. And we we, we all went off into a into the country and uh, to a to some house somewhere, and then and filmed the whole thing, and then. And then it was um, and then it was edited mm-hmm. um, the other artist I remember very well was uh, Mark shamovitz who who was involved in it too mm-hmm. and um, uh, so it was a kind, it was a really kind of uh, a way of actually thinking about how to how to make how to make film almost like as a, as an event as a performance as a as a, you know, a set of actions rather than, you know, thinking of a script, yes. you know, a, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. you know, so a pr- a, it was a much more kind of um, uh, e- exploratory kind of process. What sort of year was that? Um, it would have been in the 70s, mm-hmm. yeah. it would have been in the 70s. And then, then came Ghost Dance, uh, as far as I remember, and after that came, with him, came Xena. Uh, who was the daughter of Trotsky and um the, and he he then moved into you know like full feature film mm. uh, activity for a while and um he's uh, i think he's now teaching at uh, what was maybe still is the London School of Printing. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely
0: worth worth talking to him at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah. Bef- previous to that he'd filmed Boys and um and Cantor from Poland, and mm-hmm. uh, you know he'd uh, he was an art student at the uh, <coughs> at the Slade where I met him, and mm-hmm. um, and um, he was also very much involved in the in the '68 um, you know art school <laughs> protests in Liverpool, and um, he he was I think he was probably the key figure in that in Liverpool. So so he he had a kind of uh, interesting background, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, also, he uh, you know, is it in Ghost Dance that, um, that, that, that Derrida appears? That's right, yeah. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Because yeah. mm-hmm. the phone rings and Derrida picks it up. That's and, right. Yeah, yeah. Chats away. Yeah, 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 sure,
0: yeah. I mean, it's, it's um, there's a lot of, the, the film is mostly improvised, isn't it?
1: Yeah is right? well it's yeah yeah well at that stage Ken was you know this is what we what those people who worked with him and, and mm. what he was really interested in a kind of speculation that came through the, an exploratory sort of almost like psychodrama mm. situation you know which was sort of in relation to sort of performance and action and so forth, it was to to, to a certain extent to one you know uh, to one side as far as my book was concerned. But I was able to, to adapt myself to uh, you know that situation, and mm. it was um, it, it was a really very interesting way of going on. Um, I think for uh, in terms of making a uh, film and so on,
0: but it's still um, a film. It's still a project that has huge resonance today. As you know, we see when the screening I gave to sort of young activist people thinking, basically, yeah. a, a thinking audience yeah. and seeing something. Experimental work from years back can lose at the time, but this seems to have not only stayed, yes. but perhaps yes. gained. Yes. What about with your own use of film in your work? Because there's, there's there's quite an archive in the... Um, like the Lux Archive and things, there's lots of your work. Was it always as documentary of the work or a fundamental part?
1: No, I was always against the idea of documentary. Good. I really don't yeah. like document No, <laughs> documentaries, uh, no, not at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing is, I relied on... Um, I mean, I made one or two... made a film called Being and Doing with Ken... Mm. Ken MacMillan. I don't know if you know that film. No, I don't. It's about uh, European performance, and it's made between 1979 and 84. And that was the last time we worked together, and um, it um, it involves um, numbers of artists, including several from Poland, um, and of course between. 1979 and 84, there was Solidarnosc, and uh, mm. you know, like I, I was going to Poland quite a bit at that point. That's right. And I've, um, seen some of the work from there. Yeah, that. and um, uh, so we, I, we, we got some money from the Arts Council, and we made this film called Being and Doing, um, and um, it so, it, so it, it takes a look at the European performance in sort of in contrast to American. Models of performance and so on, and it and it and it doesn't take take it doesn't actually stop at the at the at the at the Iron Curtain. It, you know, it takes the whole look at Europe and with a um, a strong emphasis on what went, what was going on in the, behind the Iron Curtain. And the the argument of the film was um, uh, looking for s- sort of sources for performance you know, like historical, historical okay. reference, yeah. for, right, and going back to the idea of pre-industrial performance, mm. being pre-industrial f- folklore, if you like. Cool. And also, in in some cases, industrial folklore, mm-hmm. you know, etc. And then placing that in relation to artist's actions, you know, like, uh, which is really good. And I had, there's just one, and we filmed it in a particular way, like, for example, we had... Um, a film of a, of a Polish artist called Warpahowski, mm. um, who's still around, and he's uh, okay. a v- very interesting guy, um, <coughs> originally from Elvo, Elviv, what is now Elviv, but um, um and um, uh, living in Poland, you know, very much living in Poland. And um, the, the, there was a particular sequence where we filmed him in a, there was a. Um a conference in Amsterdam called uh, Works and Words, which was to do with not just East not just um, uh, work from behind the Iron Curtain but also the third world leadership um, mm-hmm. Yugoslavia, which Yugoslavia was leading, so it was it, which was separate from the Soviet bloc yes, you know, so within the conference was this kind of um Tension between these different um, of course. people coming from different contexts. And um, anyway, one we we filmed Vavrohovsky, um, and uh, then we put a t- put a text to it, and the text was. And that did something called Electrical Love Story, right, which him with a loads of light bulbs and things. We didn't go, go into that. That was what it was. Sounds like heaven. Yeah, it was a you know uh, particular thing. Uh-huh. And, um, <coughs> And uh, uh, the text actually is made up in two parts. One, my accountant of the time, um, who went to, no, actually this was shot in the Battersea Arts Centre. No, not, yeah, was it? There was one, not not the Battersea Arts Centre up um, the hill. The top of the hill, But there was one lower down earlier, quite near, quite near, um, where is it? Vauxhall and round there anyway that's where it was and um, it might have been an early battle central sure. um and um, my my accountant gives two accounts of the uh, of what he saw and what actually what he saw was um, and laposki was married to a doctor right and um, she was there present and <clears throat> there was a table and on the table was a nail about this high and we didn't film this by the way we, we, we filmed the electrical love story mm-hmm. so and and, um, and when the moment came for his action he put his hand on the nail and he just went <sighs> like that and it's the,
0: shocking just imagining
1: isn't it? <laughs> I wasn't there, uh-huh. but uh, uh, I was, I fortunately I had the flu and I was already in a bad way. Anyway, so he put his hand down to the, to the table. And, and um, so my accountant, who'd never seen... This was his first performance he'd ever seen. He said, I, I got up out of that chair and I walked outside... And I fell over the bonnet of a car and I thought I was having a heart attack and uh, it (laughs) it shocked him so much! (laughs) But he tells it twice, and he tells yes. it completely differently the second time to the first time. An accountant
0: with two different accounts? Two
1: different accounts, exactly. <laughs> it was really good. It was a, it was a brilliant piece, actually. And, yeah. uh, um, and actually, he did, he did then enter into being a performer after that. He, mm. It did uh, trigger him off. Um, anyway, the second one was a professor of mathematics. and. Um, from a Polish professor of mathematics. Uh And what what he said was, artists, in in a very interesting sort of, you know, Polish inflection in the English, artists often don't take their work seriously enough they have to be more consequent in relation to their actions, oh. you know, in relation to this whole thing. <laughs> so, anyway, so we put these two things together. Mm. And mm. and so you've got a literal love story, but the story is something else of another action altogether of the hand. Yes, And that's how we tended to make the film, you know, like... Um, some things were shot, you know, as we could find them. But, and we started the, to making the film with, a, with the idea oh, we had to be very sensitive about the artist's work and so on. And, but actually, you know, it very quickly became impossible. So we, we actually reconstructed work, you know, that, from the imagery we had. Excellent. and um, and then use text and so forth. So, um, the, for example, with, with a man called Beresh, who has um, now just died recently, a Polish, very interesting Polish artist, jerzy Beresh, um, he's died at the age of 82. Um, and in fact, the, 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 uh, <coughs> the person who came to see us two nights ago is curating a, a big festival where Beresh's memory is the center of the work in Poland or in England in Poland okay and the film that I sent this film by Doing because it's got these two works by Beresh in it uh-huh. and one work is a, is a really interesting one because it um, is, again, it's again it's it's an action but he's talking um, the text is about another action he made elsewhere so he makes it you know, often he would uh, he, he would he would paint his name on his body you mm-hmm. know or he would yeah Beresh and, Da-da. Anyway, in this particular, in this particular work, he did a work called Political Mess, and um, he, he had, uh, and it's, it's curated by an, uh, an Anglo, uh, a Polish-English artist called uh, Marisha Lewandowska, you may know her, and um, I think, uh, and um, she, um, she translates into, so it's in English and all, but, but it's also into Polish. Okay. So, and the story, the text that goes with it, is about um, Berish's work in a particular place in Poland that Marisha saw, and um, uh, so the, the the political mess is to do with two different sort of uh, bits of paper or whatever, which are joined together and then set on fire. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and and anyway, and and then, you know, the set of other actions and so on. And then at the end, Beresh takes the brush and the paint and he goes over and he hands it to the person who is known to be the informer. Ah. Right? So at every and of course everybody else knew who the informer was. So every every t- when yeah. I used to go to Poland uh, in, in, uh, you know and people would say, yeah, watch out for him. You know, he's the informer. Yeah, yeah. They all there was always an informer. There was always yeah, yeah. yeah, and they and they knew who he was mm-hmm. and they, who it was. It might have been a woman or a man. Mostly it was a man. And um, so this this this, um, this work is then put in the context of uh, of of. Um, the, um, uh, when, when, when was it? It was 1981 when, when martial law was declared Mm -hmm. and, um, and then you know, like a lot of activities in Poland were wiped out and artists actually were, uh, it turns out, were, were, were kind of looked after by the Catholic Church, oh, really? which kind of opens up all kinds of difficult oh, questions oh, no, about yeah, yeah, yeah. Kinds the kind of problematic problem actually, yeah, yeah, it's
0: something I'm exploring at the moment in various yeah. ways, yeah. the Catholic Church is so reactionary, yet they were the resistance, they yeah, were exactly. the symbol of yeah. the resistance yeah. in yeah. Poland. Yeah. I yeah. think we see that now, but that's that's another story for another time. Yes,
1: quite. So anyway, so the the Beresh's work is put in the context of of, of Solidarnosc in a way, yeah, know, because he was a, he made a clapping machine for. You know, to you know, like I guess it was in relation to the party conferences where they'll clap, everyone clap and so he made a clapping machine. You know, Perfect. that sort of, Perfect. that kind of, um, you know, gestures. He was full of all that sort of thing, and um, uh, and and so the film actually kind of plays on this sort of um, placing placing things in different different contexts. Really, you know, so. Beresh is making an action in London, but the work, the ideas, and the work are actually discussed mm. in terms of what's going on in Poland, blah blah blah. And that's how we sort of worked out how to how to deal with the um, with working with artists, you know, like um, uh, for the film being and doing. <coughs>
0: Really look forward to seeing the film.
1: Yeah. It was a it was a very difficult film to make because it was an Arts Council film and the Arts Council at one point said, you know, you're gonna to have to change the text, certain aspects of the text, otherwise we're going to actually take it away from you and somebody else will finish it. Good God. Because of the political nature of the text. Probably, yes.
0: So that's, that's I mean that's that's the point. Looking at your work and the work you're describing things, is it, it, it's it's utterly infused with politics, politics of yeah. the self, as, yeah. as as subject matter, but the wider politics, which is so missing and lacking now in current yes. practice, yeah. widely across the world. Yes. Is that my imagination yeah. or my no, limited no, view? No, no, it's
1: not. No, it's not. And it's deeply I worrying. Think, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like it's, the, the real issue is the context, isn't it? You know, yeah. like.
0: For the Arts Council to intervene that way—that for me, that's shocking. Well, well, they do. Uh, and I'm sure they do, yeah. But is it? Yeah, it's curious. I mean, I'm actually—I'm—I'm I'm having to process that.
1: Well, I had—I've had problems, political problems, with uh, the British Council and mm. the uh, uh, since I went to Poland really. Um, well, I don't have problems with the British Council because I don't have Don't engage, with yeah. With, there's no engagement. So because you had engagement with Well, you were working you, with... Well, it's an interesting story really. Please. No one's ever really spoken about it except Lewis Biggs. Um, Lewis Biggs being... He was uh, ran the Tate for a while. Anyway, he, he, he did talk about this problem in public at, at the conference I was at. Mm-hmm. Um, but not about this particular thing. I'm going to to tell you, um, I went to, I went to, when I, how, let's get this right, okay. um, <laughs> um, I met there's a very interesting man called Joseph Scheiner who mm-hmm. uh, was a Polish, um, basically a Polish artist and um, he did some work at the Edinburgh Festival in the early 70s because Richard DeMarco in the early 70s and uh, was, was, was very adventurous in actually bringing artists from behind the Iron Curtain into, like, uh, he was, he was uh, uh, and also from Western Europe, and, and probably from the States, but certainly Western Europe. For example, Boyce he brought over, mm-hmm. um, numbers of, numbers of, Cantor was a big figure that he brought over, and this man, Shiner. And I, I didn't see uh, Scheiner's work, but I read a review of it in, in the Observer, and I thought that's really interesting. And at the time, I was um, uh, going to um, to Germany, to Berlin, where I, I I'd been offered a, a, to a, a year's um, to live for a year in Berlin on the German academic exchange. Program, mm-hmm. which was for artists, originally set up by the Ford Foundation, okay. and, um, but it's for artists to to live and work in Berlin. You know, but obviously they want to make Berlin inside the you know the East, as yeah. it were, with its Western, you know, as a kind of the, um, the,
0: the shining beacon the, of Western freedom and culture. And, yeah, 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 and yeah, all
1: that. So um, the first thing I did when I got there on in, uh, was was to go to um, to go to Warsaw. So I, I drove to Warsaw and I went to the Artists' Union and, which was interesting enough in itself because I went and I met this man in the, the entrance who, who was sweeping and I said to him, um, and I had very bad German at the time, my German hardly exists anyway, I'd, and he said to me in German, which language would you like to speak? And I mm-hmm. said, well, English. He said, he said yes, that's fine. I, Speak English. Okay. So it was very, and, he, and I said, I, w- I want to meet Joseph Shiner. He said, uh, Well, I can't really help you because I'm only the physical worker here. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but if you come back tomorrow, da da da. So mm. anyway, it was an interesting uh, introduction because the band was obviously clearly pretty sophisticated. Very much you know, so. <laughs> and, uh, but he was the physical worker. And um, <laughs> anyway, I met Joseph Shiner, who was mm. a, a Turns out that Scheiner was in the concentration camps for five years. He was not Jewish. He was uh, Catholic, I think, and um, he he he'd been on death row about three four times, and then off and you know for for you know various misdemeanors and but he had survived, ending up in Auschwitz. Mm. And um, so he had a really extraordinary life. And I didn't know. I knew he'd been in a concentration camp when I was there, because his number was on his arm. But I didn't know the story until a few weeks ago, when uh, um, Andrew Mummery, who was the person I work with, the dealer, actually went to Warsaw and came back with a catalogue of Shiner's work, and there was the biography and this detailed history of his life, you know, between 19... So you didn't know that when you were working I didn't him, know. I no. knew he'd been in concentration camp, but I didn't know how long, or I didn't know... Yes, yeah. Yeah, uh, but his work was absolutely full of it, because mm. when, I, when I... He invited me to go to Poland for six weeks, and um, to, to make a work... Um, He ran something called the Teatro Studio right in the centre of. Have you been in Warsaw? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know the central square with the big Soviet. Yeah, the Palace of Culture. Palace of Culture. Now it's uh, now a multiplex. Yes, now was called Stalin's prick. Okay. And um, and uh, the Theatre Studio was in that complex. Right. And um, so I was invited to come for six weeks and um, in, w- in where I was expected to make work and which has just been shown at the tape by the way and um, and um, and then you know I was invited to do various things. What I didn't realize was that um, that China was very close up in the uh, in the, in the communist hierarchy and was very close to Gierek, the then president mm. and um, so this was a very official place uh, and I had absolutely no idea what I was getting into if you see what I mean and um, anyway so it had a high status this place, but within official communists uh, circles as it were and um, the, what happened was that um, the, the the invitations went out, and one invitation went to the British ambassador. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons was that the ambassador's wife had been a student at the Slade in the long distant past. And um, so uh, the opening of the work was this action that I made, naked, mm-hmm. with no hair, shaven, everything shaven, completely shaven. And the, 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 uh, the ambassador, as I was led to believe, was completely incensed by the whole thing. <laughs> and um, and um, sent back, Let and I didn't know anything about this, right. except I was having breakfast in the hotel one morning, and a woman came in to, and said, we must talk. So we went outside, away from from crying ears and she said they are sending letters back to London about you and I think you should know, but don't worry. You know, like we are fully supportive. And uh, the state, fine, yeah, the, the state, state is fully, fully supportive. supportive. Yeah. And their statement when was that um, we Poland is a democratic country, and you know, artists Im- are invited to come, and they have the freedom to make the work that they decide to choose. And that is, you know, because we are democratic, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Cetera, et cetera, you know, so they used it politically. Clearly, mm-hmm. and um, and probably a lot of Polish artists wouldn't have agreed with that. No, no this is <laughs> that's the other the, side. That's the other I'm, side of it. Some kind of yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> the the uh, um, so yes, he did. So when I got back to London, uh, a friend of mine who who was on a committee at the British Council said to me, "You are in the shit." Okay. And because the you know it went from the ambassador, Foreign Office. British Council and the British Council had paid for my trip to the Polish border ah, and back but uh-huh, no more right. just the travel to the border
0: yes and then, right? the, and then the
1: rest of it was the polish thing mm. and um okay so uh, uh, nothing really nothing, <laughs> nothing 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 really happened after that mm. you know, just that um that it uh, you know uh, uh, but you know, it left a kind of uh, really difficult sort of taste in my mouth, and I think that's why you know it would be interesting to know what the circumstances were. Maybe we can now that we can put that one on one side. Mm-hmm. Ten years later, I was invited to the to the Sao Paulo Biennale, mm-hmm. and um, and I, I had a an assistant who's been, I think his name was Spinelli who ended up going to Goldsmiths here, and also um, working in uh, one of the galleries here, uh, Anthony Reynolds' gallery. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, he was working for the British Council at the time as, I guess, a temporary person, and he he was my assistant. And um, he said to me, they're sending letters of protest about you back to London. And the reason was that the two people who were, you know, like, uh, responsible, you know, in relation to what I was doing, yeah. and other other English artists mm-hmm. um, had both been in Warsaw, so they made protest back. Uh, when it came to showing the work, uh, my work didn't come out of the customs, and I spoke to I knew one person I knew was the um, um, the Norwegian. Uh, commissioner, whatever, mm-hmm. who happened to be um, there, he was there for the Pope, for the Norwegian, you know, submission and so forth. And he and I said to him, it's great difficult, you know, like I, my work is not you know, the materials are not coming out of the. Uh, he said, oh, they just have to pay the fine, that's all, that's all. Uh, sorry, they they have to pay the bribe, that's yes, all. that's all they have to do. And they he won't. said, that, you know, that's that's it, standard practice. So. That meant that my work wasn't ready for the opening.
0: So still I think we can assume that after Warsaw your folder changed color
1: yes let's well I think so probably yeah and quite, I've never really said anything about this but mm. it strikes me and and Lewis Biggs who was the who he was an independent curator who chose the artist for the British Council so it wasn't the British Council that selected me mm. it was there the person they contracted they found to you. be a curator yeah. and he selected me of course and that's how it how it happened yeah, yeah, yeah. so so actually you know like um, it's it's very interesting when you when when one sees people like Weiwei and um, you know like all the kinds of problems and you know all China and all the rest of it but what about here and what about you know these sorts of experiences well, it's, it's where, universal. It, it, yeah, it I mean exactly I, I, I get I go from feeling
0: empowered as an artist and think we need to work politically. And to think what little fish we really can be, you know, in these systems we don't know. A discussion I was having with—he's um, a sound artist in residence at the Science Museum at the moment, Alex. Oh, I was going to say Kowalski, but it's not, and I do apologise, Alex, if you're listening, because I always get the name wrong. Um, he was telling me some fascinating stuff which i'm going to jump on research wise and it's about the early soviet avant-garde sound artists and there's a book come out recently um, sounds from z and there was the most amazing the, the stuff they were doing were sort of uh, before the futurists before daphne oram and her oramix machine and things where they were working with film Sound painting, sound onto film strips, and and it, 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 amazingly creative avant garde. And the avant garde, when Stalin came in, were arrested, not just arrested, not just suppressed, but tortured and killed. They were just wiped out. So a generation of avant garde artists. So when we see. The hypocrisy, I almost got caught up in that, as your, in your story of going, rah, 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 for the Polish state, supporting the freedom of the artist. And I'm thinking, oh, but hang on, it's still the real politic going on, you know, how many Polish well, artists very, were suppressed. It's very interesting
1: because um, I, I met a, I was in Łódź not that long ago, okay. uh, a few months ago, and um, I met uh, a, a, a curator called Paweł Polity who, uh, and he, he knew all about the, this work I'd done in, well, it's very well known in Poland, this mm-hmm. work that I did, 1975. How many Western artists were going to Poland? Not that many. Mm-hmm. There was one gallery um, uh, that, that, that did, did invite people to come, but it was mostly to do with a kind of, that, that, uh, a particular aspect of, um, of um, conceptualism. And, uh, uh, and um, so, there, there, I forgot, I'll remember the name of the gallery in a minute. It's very well-known, you know, internationally, Mm -hmm. Um, but um, there are really very few, and none, of course, necessarily high up, ending up in a a position that I found myself in accidentally, as it were, (laughs) you know, like very close to the, you know, to the top, as it were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very strange. And, um, yeah, so, very, very, very difficult. Really, the whole that that whole situation was really redolent with all kinds of connections and difficulties and yeah, so on. You know, like, uh, would you ever? I'm just thinking of the term
0: agitprop. Very seventies, sixty, seventy It was. It was. I mean, they used to be in city limits, and maybe even time out. I can't remember a uh, agitprop section. Would you have used that term in reference to your own work? Did you think of that term because it's it it seems very much on that tip? But that was a kind of no.
1: Um, it, uh, when I when I when I, uh, when I uh, first started making actions, before you know act, uh, events later called Performances from 1966 when I uh-huh. first started to do that and, um, and, um, and I got, I, I was already, you know, become sort of committed uh, to the left and was from an early stage on mm. um, and um, I, there was a very interesting um, exhibition that took place in Stockholm probably in the late 60s called Poetry Must Be Made by All. And I have the catalogue to that. I have it to this day. And that catalogue um, is about Soviet... The, the revolutionary work at the point of the revolution and, and, and sort of more or less just after, mm-hmm. where there were the, the kind of fates and the, the reenactments of the... Um, you know the storming of the winter palace and all these kinds of public actions so the this 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 book and the this book was um or rather catalogue was uh, written by uh, a, the librarian at the university of newcastle okay um, uh, uh, his name was um hunt i can't remember his first name, Rodney, I think perhaps. Uh, hunt and, um, and and i I got to know him, and you know I, so my my influences at that time i 'd lived in the states, remember for five years before that, mm-hmm. so i you know i 'd gone to the states, lived for five years, come back, and looked the other way as it were
0: yes.
1: and um, and so this this uh, this book this catalog became a kind of not a Bible exactly, but a but a source of um, a reference real, book, yeah. re- st- of strong reference book, mm, which mm, I, mm. I still look at. So, in answer to your question, yes, there was that kind of influence. But the uh, and my first first actions were all um, uh, dealt were all kind of like. Um, democratically or attempted to be democratically structured, mm. there would be numbers of people involved. There were public events with up to 15 people making things. Um, for example, um, uh, I did uh, a work at the Royal Court Theatre, mm-hmm. 1970, on a festival called Come Together and it allied to the, that sense of you know that public nature was also something else which was <clears throat> to do with the everyday you know a sense of wanting to yep. actually engage oneself with the everyday in whichever way one could so those two things became a, a key sort of elements in, in, in how I tried to work and uh, in at the Rock Court I, for example I would I would take try to take the most simple things that everybody knew about. If you went to the theatre at that time, the first thing that would happen to you before the play started was that the National Anthem oh was played. Oh my God, of course. Right? The National Anthem was How played. How So, every... Yes, you know, okay. So, I, my work with ten people, and I would, I would actually, a bit like Ken McMullen later, I would actually contact numbers of people and then i would say look can you do x can you do y can you do z hmm. anything else you want to do is up to you but if you can do this then you know we can we can actually have a contract and we can so i would then have a i would then have 10 people including myself and that we would all have different roles the others didn't know what the yeah. The other roles were going to be okay. necessarily, but at the same time, you could also do your own thing, as it were, uh, uh, open, you know. So it had that sort of openness about it. So it had a co- it had a kind of core if everybody agreed mm-hmm. and did it, which they did actually, curiously. And um, so in this particular case, we started the program with "God Save the Queen," so we all s- stood stood. God Save the the, the stage was at, sort of pushed out into the into the audience, mm-hmm. you know, like pushed beyond the proscenium arch thing Sure. And um, so we start with God Save. The, and everybody stands up, we play God Save the Queen again, and then we s- try to stand on our hands. Most of us can't. Um, we, we play God Save the Queen. People stand up. Some people don't. People start to talk. We play it again. Uh-huh people start to sort of uh, you know, mutter, some people stand up, some people leave, <gasps> da-da, we play it again, and um, you know, we played it to death, absolutely to death. I'm really messing with their heads. Really, right. So then came, after that, I took the sentence from, every sentence from the, from, from the text of the National Anthem, which in the second verse, Talks about putting down the Scots, for example, in a, you know, in an early version, a relatively early version. I think it was then still common. So God save the Queen. Well, do you believe in God? You know, mm-hmm, right, right. Mm-hmm. And why should the God save the Queen? Which yes, Queen? Which Queen? You know. <laughs> so this, so we kept. People start to shout. People are shouting, and you know, and and we and at the same time something is being built on the on the stage which is a a big construction made out of metal tubes you know like like a meccano set 17 feet up there's an office chair eventually plugged in at the top and um so i go through the whole process of talking about all these uh asking questions about the the the, the, the national anthem. Mm-hmm. And then uh this is taking time of course and people are there's lots of banter going on or confusion. <laughs> people around, are doing right. Think. Yeah. I climb to the top of the to the on sit on the sit on the uh office chair and vomit to ah. God save the Queen, right? Ah. God save the Queen's played, ah. Right? down, you know, uh, and, um, anyway, so that really, I suppose, ended that, you know, like, uh, oh. I wish, I wish, I wish my smile would transfer
0: onto radio. It?
1: <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, a, a, it's a beautiful yeah. piece. Well, anyway, so what, what mm. happened was mm-hmm. I had been a stagehand at the, uh, at the Royal Court, so I knew what went on in the back. Yeah. And, um, although I'd been fired from it, uh, my, job anyway um, so I went to the, round to the back afterwards and there, there are the guys and everything and I said look I've, I've come back because I'm g- going to um, clean up the mess and they said you're not touching anything you have defiled the theatre you have defiled the theatre uh-huh. and, and, and then they said and what's more you're not in the union <laughs> I said fine you've got three nights of it
0: yeah I mean that's a real conflict, isn't it? Because on the one hand they had their socialist union, but they were defending the queen with it. That's right. Exactly. Oh, you messed with their heads. Mm. <laughs> Not yeah. long after that, the national anthem was dropped. Surely, I mean, it's, it's, I, yes, it's I mean, around it was, that period. Yeah. The yeah. there was uh, censorship? Uh,
1: yeah, it was
0: 1970. Okay. When did censorship and the national anthem? Did I'd, they go at I'd, the same time?
1: I don't know when it, but it must couldn't have lasted much longer. No.
0: It's just um, crumbling,
1: um, wasn't it? At yeah, that point, because yeah. there's, there's something about the, yeah. the the work you're
0: talking. It's very iconoclastic. It's very just knocking yeah. things so down. So the thing
1: is that so the whole idea at that point was mm. actually working with numbers of people. Yes, and actually, you know, making it an inclusive and mm-hmm. lateral kind of event, which I which I did. You know, but so I had this kind of. Um, it's, I mean, I think it started from when I was when I lived in the village and uh, as a kid during the war and toward, towards the end of the war we used to have these, these kind of entertainments at Christmas and they but they actually like like happenings, mm. all kinds of things would take place, mm-hmm. you know, like lots of, you know, obvious things like women singing songs and reading poems but all kinds of other wild things people are coming in through windows and you know out and you know all lovely lovely yeah really good Mm. really wild things and I think it sort of that was a trigger in a way as well so you take these two things, you know, the, 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 the Soviet experience of um, just after the revolution and the idea of this you know, new world with a, you know, a, a, a new way of doing and looking at things and so forth, which um, uh, I, I was very much in, involved with. And I, the, uh, another connection I had to it was an earlier sense of an, an interest in constructivism. Which mm. of course, connects to it as well, and um, so um, there's a basis, if you like, for you know like operating in public with in a public sense and having a sense of what a, what what community is and what uh, and mm. what an audience and you know and how things can interact and you know how you, all of that so it um, it's very much agitation. I mean, you were yes, ag- yes. you were agitating everyone there. Yes, it's, yes. It's well, I a... was taking the, the what I regarded as the common thing in the theatre. Yes, the, the, you know, the institution bows to the to the monarchy. Yes. the very first thing. So mm. I just took it. Yes. that's it. That's Everybody it. understands that. That's <laughs> what we're doing, right? <laughs> It's a bit like being Steve Bell, you know, mm-hmm. and um, but but in, out in the world, as it were. Of course, he's one of my favourite artists, by the way.
0: Fantastic, yeah. yeah, yeah. John Major's pants will live on forever.
1: Absolutely. Well, how can you? Yeah. yeah. Rather not. Yeah. I'd rather yeah. forget, but no, yeah. that's
0: an image. But up, then
1: I was after the after the um, after the after the Hornsey experience and so forth. It, you know, like the, everything started to change. That whole sense of. You know, operating freely and openly, it slowly began to, kind of ossify, or it began to. Um, it was as though, um, you know, the the establishment had re-established itself. Yes. Not that not that the that the, the, the sit-in had actually de-established it in any way. Only no. in their head. It had. It did. It, they did actually toy with the idea of. Um, uh, uh, of uh, making an experimental art school out of Hornsey College of Art, the minister who was um, is now in the Liberals, uh, uh, I've forgotten her name, but she's an old lady now. And Shirley she, Williams. Yeah, Shirley Williams. Okay. Uh, there was definitely, uh, you know, a, a, a serious thinking on the part of the government about, um, you know, having a having a, a, an exploratory you know, a College of Art, has a way of actually coming out of the mm. sit-in, as it were. And, um, but actually the whole thing sort of sealed over and closed sealed, yeah.
0: up and- It's curious, and, I mean, uh, the comment, as we were walking to the studio, and we were talking about the rather lovely social housing that's being blocked up there and turned into, whatever it is they're turning it into, and the comment being, it's just so much, to be annoyed about, there's so much to engage in, there's too much, we can't do anything about this. And just thinking through what you just, you've been describing this and the notion of agitation and propaganda, where that started, and work that you're making that agitates, and the idea of agitation and propaganda was to go out and stir things up, and stir people up, because when people think about things, and yeah, up, I
1: did they up Yeah, but I did it by just concentrating on the day, on the everyday. Yes. See, it was a kind of... It wasn't a kind of you know I'm in the I'm I've got a banner in the front of everyone and here this yeah, is of a, course. this yeah. is a it was actually taking the you know the most simple things like which is more powerful the theatre exactly far more you go to the theatre and they mm. and what do they do they play the monarch you know yeah, they yeah, they, yeah, they bow yeah. to the monarch and what do we do? we're well, we expected this? to do that well um, the,
0: I mean the inverse of that is how comfortable in this now instead of agitating people people have been calmed and calmed yeah, and calmed no, and calmed.
1: yeah i can tell you what I mean, if we're going on this route of you know irritations and um, why not yeah let's uh, <laughs> let's go to um february 1968 um Kay. and um uh, there's this guy cesar you know cesar baldacini is a uh, a french artist um uh, interesting guy um, and he was coming to do a big performance at the at the Tate. Mm-hmm. There was only one Tate at the time. Of course. Uh, and um, and he said we should um, we should go along you and I. And I said yeah okay. So he said and I've got some walkie talkies so we can be BBC um, people. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> and so we we had these walkie talkie things and we we got in and. Um, but we didn't, we had no idea what we were going to do. We were going to do something, but we didn't know what it was. And we started to look around and, you know, then, and we, you know, we ended up downstairs, seeing what we were looking for, looking to see if we could switch all the lights off, something like that. <laughs> something really banal, because you know, like, how do you start with an idea? Yes. And, um, uh, and then people began to get suspicious, you know, so we, we, we withdrew and we went into the main place. 800 people had been invited and it was an evening dress affair. Okay. And um, and César, uh, I, I'd been teaching at Hornsey at the time and I'd been introduced to this um, new material, it was expanded foam, you know, expanded yes, polystyrene foam Fabulous and uh, you know, like it expands 16 times its own size, and it's fantastic and, can, uh, and of course it's highly inflammable <laughs> and um, uh, so there, there's this big uh, the big hall uh, and there are 800 people and so César is tipping out these big drums of mixed polystyrene foam. Of course, it's all expanding in red, yellow, and blue across the floor of the whole, you know, Tate. And, um, uh, it's like came, it eventually, you know, this, this stuff stopped expanding. And eventually and there's that's... a lot of people moving around and things. And Cesar is breaking lumps off, signing them, signing and giving them. People. so we just got hold of a big chunk you know like a big like from here to the wall yes. and just lifted it up whereby a whole french television t te- uh tv team slid to the floor <laughs> and um and then we took it to the entrance the front entrance mm. and um of course you know it's the front entrance as it is now yes know, like so you could only go through the swing doors and we had this wide thing. <laughs> Sedgley's on the front, I'm at the back. And um, Ronald Alley, who is dead now I think, but was a key figure, curator in the Tate. Mm. Uh, we were we were sort of like doing this to the polystyrene at the it won't go through. Yes, you know, it won't go through. But still, plan. Well, it won't go through. Yeah, of it course. Won't go <laughs> and he came up and said, "You will be banned forever. You will, you know, like this is the." And we said, "You know, like it won't go through." He said, "I'll open the side doors. <laughs> so he opened the side doors, and of course, it did go through yes. and down. And we stuck them on the on the metal gates of of it, and so, and then we. Took more, and then some people in evening just said, you know, we like to help you, you know. Like, yes. So we, some people actually supported us. Engaged. So there we we put stuck it all on the uh, up, all around the gates, right? So big pieces, like they're about thick, but going from here to the, you know. So they look like like mushrooms, all going around. and and then I I knew someone who was um, an art historian. Um, and she, she, and I said to her, in, as I saw her in there, would you like to, to take part in a, in a happening? And she said, I'd love to. So we, we walked, and it's starting to rain at this time. We mm-hmm. walked down the front steps of the Tate, and I gave her a box of matches and said, set fire to that. So she lit the match and ah. set fire, and the whole, f- you know, like the gate. flame yeah. just sort of went round the whole thing, Beautiful. like pink, yes. fantastic. And of course, it's quickly joined up with all the others. So in yes. the end, the whole front of the f- of the tape is in flames, right, going up thirty feet, something like that. Eventually, well, yeah. it was quite frightening, I, I must bet. say. Yeah, Cars on. are parked outside, you know. <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> you know. What an amazing! This this is this is on my CV, but of course nobody mentions it. It's not a it's you not know. It was an amazing not thing. Up in company. Anyway, so yeah. uh, we then I got Peter and said, "You've got to come see this." So Peter came out and said that we stood there together, and um, at the top of the stairs, and there was um, the director of the Tate. I've forgotten his name. And are standing there because the heat was so intense you yes. couldn't get anywhere near it you, know, you could only stand at the top it was My. so extraordinary yes and people were just staring at it and then in the distance you could hear you know the bells from the police bells they had bells then, yes cars, yes, yes you know like yeah. bells blah, 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 ringing, the bells coming in the distance and then the put the fire brigade comes and all the hoses come out and you know, like, the whole thing is hosed, wow. eventually hosed down, at which point I said to Peter, I think it's time to leave, don't yeah. you? So we just walked down, stepped over all the pipes and everything, went round the corner and drove home. <laughs> the, next mor- the next morning, apparently, mm. this is uh, what, I, what I understand, there was a meeting in the Tate with the f- fire authorities and the police, and questions were asked. My like bad like why didn't you why didn't you apprehend them why didn't you stop them yes and from the fire brigade was why did you allow such extraordinarily highly inflammable material into the tate when it could have actually done what it did outside inside Inside, yes so you know what so they had to change their insurance policies etc etc they had to change Everything in relation to that—that's that's that's my understanding of what happened—and nothing more was said. How polite. No one. There were no photographs anywhere except in Studio International, and and it's a photograph of the of the art historian who I invited to set to put the match to it, picking up a piece of this stuff, and it looks like she's on her own. Yes, you know, like that's the only photograph. Although um, there was a there was a man called Ju- George Glusberg who ran, ran the Center for Art and Communication in in um, uh, Buenos Aires, I think it's Buenos Aires, mm. um, Argentina. Yes, yeah, and um, I, I knew him at the time, and he was in a in a taxi with some people, and they and they said. I wonder. I wonder what British performance is like. And he turned around and said to him, "I think you've just seen one." <laughs> what sensational! Such mischief! Naughty, isn't it? Very naughty, naughty. at the time. Yeah. I mean, never could be done now. Absolutely no, hopeless. No. Then these were the days when Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're yeah gone. Whatever you know, like amazing. You know, how did we get away with it?
0: Uh, I suppose. We don't need to answer that. I was just going to rabbit on about that. Listen, timing-wise, we've actually talked for almost an hour, so we Is have... this
1: what you expected to hear? I've or... got. I come with absolutely no is preconceptions. This, is, this, is this at all interesting? I mean, we I mean, can talk about other things. Stuart, crazy, 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 crazy. This is fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, it's... I mean, I can be more serious and... Uh, oh, God,
0: no. For Heavens forbid. We could, I mean, the thing that keeps... Throughout your talking, I was thinking, this is just impossible to fit the things that you could easily talk about into an hour. So you could just... Talk, we could do this for 12 hours of this easily. Yeah, Not yeah. in one go, probably. Um, <laughs> but we could. But why don't we just cut it there so we've got an hour for Tuesday and then think about what we could do. Yeah, sure, sure, further sure, on. sure. One of the, is partly laser, my part of my turn up on. You have been listening to Stuart Brisley in conversation with me, Simon Tishko, here on Isotopica and Resonance 104.4 FM. Details, links to and about Stuart's practice and other details of today's show can be found on my website, being www. www.theculture.net. Follow the links to resonance and radio broadcasts. I really suggest you take some time to follow some of the links to Stuart's work. It really is the most amazing practice. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning in. Hopefully, be with you same time, same place, same resonance, 104.4 FM next Tuesday afternoon between the hours of three and four o'clock this is me simon tishko signing out for another seven days thanks for listening this program was brought to you by resonance 104.4 fm visit our website at resonancefm.com to hear our vast range of original 24 7 broadcasts resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support if you like what you've heard make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.